Welcome to Friends and Fables, an interview series on our podcast where we chat with friends, new and old, about TTRPG and everything in between. I'm your host, Tanner Azanero, and I am so excited to be joined today by an extremely talented artist whose work has brought some of your favorite TTRPG shows to life, including Dimension 20 and the 20-Sided Tavern, Katie McGeorge. Hello. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you for being on with us. Uh, we're we're so honored. Uh, Thank you for having me. I I came across. Uh, I got in contact with you when, uh, thankfully, the the TikTok gods uh, were like, "Hey, you like these things? You should you should <laughs> see this. Uh, you should see this gal's account." Um, and uh, uh, I saw that you were doing. I, I think it was either a mini or you were working on something specific for Dimension Twenty. Um, yeah. There's the pumpkin. Ah, uh, yes, it was the pumpkin. Yes, yeah, uh, extremely cool. Um, I'm going to do my best to ask questions about um, uh, at least uh, as, uh, some of these shows without spoiling too much. But also, yeah, if you're yeah. listening to this, if anyone's listening to this, there might be a little bit of of spoilery. Yeah, like mild. Things. Yeah. Um, I for one haven't heard all of Dimension Twenty, so if I get mm. things spoiled for me, that is okay. Um. But uh, right off the top, uh, Katie, why don't you let us know a little bit about how you kind of got started in art in general? Yeah. Um, hmm. I feel like I've been doing it since I was born. Um, I've been pretty much drawing my whole life. Uh, a lot of my childhood memories are just like grabbing a bunch of printer paper and like sitting at my kitchen table for hours and just copying you know, images in magazines um, and things I saw on TV. I was often like drawing while I watched TV, which makes sense how I ended up here actually. Um, and then when I was in, I think seventh grade, I got into doing it for theater, for set design. Um, a teacher I had a crush on was like, we need some more kids to help uh, paint the sets after school. And I was like, anything for you. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I did it and now it is my job. Um, uh, so yeah, I did theater. I went to college for theater set design and then actually with COVID and theater, you know, shutting down that led more into the film and television, um, which led into the, the dimension 20. Yeah. Oh, rad. That's super cool. What a, what a funny little shift in life that a crush on a teacher has led you here. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so, uh, so COVID was kind of the reason that, yeah. um, theater was kind of the, the, at least you jumped off from that into, yeah. you know, finding work in, uh, TV. Um, were you, were you living in LA at the time? I, I believe you, uh, mentioned that you're uh, living in New York now. Were you living in LA at the time? Is that how you got in contact or kind of saw that D20 mm. was hiring? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough that my brother lives in LA. So when I was like, it was like, you know, April, 2021 vaccines had just come out. I remember because I got mine on 420 and it was like, okay, it feels like a return to work is possible, but um, theater is not. Um, and I was actually like randomly in Texas, like hunkering down in, in lockdown during that time. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go West. I'm going to go live with my brother and just start working on the movies. And I lived there for a few months. Um, then uh, things started to kind of open up back more in New York so I went back and then I just saw a job posting for the Dimension 20 job, um, but they were open to almost all of it being remote because they were still like in a kind of their job structure was still pretty heavily influenced by COVID and like staying home as much as possible. So I was like, okay, I can do this remote work and then um, 
travel for the shoot because I have, you know, my brother lives there. So that's what I started doing. So a lot of the job I do remote I um, here on the East Coast. And then I travel to L.A. for shooting right before the shoot. Sometimes we build the minis on Lotus Island where our production designer Rick lives. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has me going all over the place. Um, but, but yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, um, it sounds like it was just kind of a, a, a job posting and everything that, uh, kind of brought your attention to D20. Do you have like a history with Dungeons and Dragons or TTRPG in any way before you got Honestly, started with this job? I had played like a couple of one shots with my friends and I, I was like, okay, I like this. And embarrassingly i thought that was i felt like i knew how to play dnd from that so in my like little cover letter to rick i, was like, I am an avid dnd player and then i learned that part of my job was like doing the graphics for like these character sheets and i was like but what is an armor class so i kind of <laughs> and i was like i don't know um so uh, i kind of learned on the job more about the mechanics and also um uh Really, that that D and D or RPGs in general are like a true art form, and I think it was because my first season was uh, Shriek Week, which I came in after the creative process was over. I just helped like actualize everything, and then for Starstruck, I was just a fly on the wall during their initial creative meetings, where they went from you know, okay, we have this comic book to what is our season going to be, what does the season feel like, what is the relationship between the characters. And just, you know, taking my little notes, I, you know, that was my job during the meetings. I felt like I was getting like a free masterclass into, you know, how to be a really, really creative uh, dungeon master. And since then, that's when I have viewed it as uh, an art, an art form and a, a core part of my life and career. But I didn't really fully realize what I, I was like, d curious, actually, in retrospect, when I started the job. And now I respect it as, um, uh, an amazing collaborative improvised storytelling art form. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I feel very lucky. <laughs> yeah. It's well, it's funny cause it sounds like, um, not to, not to jump off too far from the initial question, but it sounds like, um, I would imagine that the D 20 job, uh, opened up the opportunity for the 20 sides job or sorry, the, yep. uh, the 20, 20 sided sided sided. everything's 20 sided. Yes. Everything has yeah. 20 sides. Like there are other <laughs> dice people. We have other, there's a few others. Like let's give D sixes a chance, you know, like, uh, I think, uh, <laughs> what is it? Oh, is, is, a uh, Critical roles is like a four. It's a four-sided dive. That's their, <laughs> that's their talkback show. Yeah, six-sided dive. They get no love. They get no love. No love. Um, and so I, I would imagine that that opportunity kind of led to uh, the twenty-sided yeah. tavern uh, mm-hmm. job as well. Why don't you let us know a little bit about a, t- a twenty-sided tavern also? Yeah. So um, it's a, a live uh, improvised D and D experience. I. Um, it's really cool. Um, the audience completely shapes the arc of what happens over the course of the campaign any given night because the the show uses this uh, new technology called uh, gameotics. So the audience scans a QR code on their phone when they get in and then it, it opens up this like capacity to like directly communicate with the DM on stage. So the DM will be like, should we, we're in a dungeon crawl. Do we want to go like left or right? And that option will appear on your phone and you can choose one or the other and then project it on, on the stage. You see like the tally of like where the audience is voting, which always elicits a great response. Like, Oh, oh. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the audience like really shapes the, the, the show, the script, there's really not a script. It's like a, it's a flow chart. Um, so designing around that, designing around improvisation is, is really cool. And yeah, my role in that is, um, scenic and costume designer. Um, and yeah, so those are kind of my, my two jobs now, dimension 20 and that, and then in between, if one of them has a lull, I'll like do a you know commercial or something, but yeah, it's kind of become RPGs have become like the sort of base of my career. That's so rad. That's such <laughs> weird. <it's, laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I, I didn't get into, I, I did music before, um, I started doing the podcast, um, you know, entertainment industry in general, in terms yeah. of content creation is similar ish across the board. Um, but it's funny cause once I got into TTRPG learning how, the industry is so weirdly small, but also massive yeah, in, in the same yeah. time. It's funny that you can exist even in such a specific role, um, like an artistic department like that. Uh, you're there's so many opportunities even within such a small community. Um, and that's awesome. It sounds like it also kind of led you back in, in a small way to, to live theater. Yes, exactly. Yeah. With 20 sided tavern. Is that kind of more you're like, core passion or have things kind of shifted since uh, in your life kind of since that time? Well, I feel really fortunate because it, it feels like theater in the sense that it, you know, it's, it's live and it's on stage, but honestly, I felt like a lot of like, I love theater as an art form, but I feel like a lot of the theater, I guess like the theater industry as it exists now, I feel like a lot of the plays are like, just like really crusty and about like rich people problems. And even like Mm -hmm. the tickets are so expensive and it just like, even like before COVID when I like had to switch, I was like, this is just feels like such like an elite industry. And I don't think I'm an elite person. Um, and, but I love the art form itself. Um, uh, what was I going to say? And I was, I was feeling like, you know, I really do care about like people seeing the work I do and feeling like it's like part of like the fabric of our culture. And I wasn't feeling that with theater. I was like, this is just for people who happen to be in New York and happen to have the money to see this. Whereas Dimension 20 and now 20 Sided Taverns is growing, I totally feel that satisfied. Just like obviously a big fan community around Dimension 20. And I feel like my work is really like seen and appreciated by like people who would be my peers. Like a lot of my friends watch the show, like, you know, before me even working on it. And feeling like my art contributes back to a community that I'd want to be a part of is like a really good and like um, fulfilling feeling. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's, it that specifically dimension 20 is such a great show in that regard of showcasing the entire production team's efforts. Um, yeah, it really is. Especially like, especially with, um, which I have a, I have a question about this uh, that I'll jump into off of this, uh, especially with their kind of post-production kind of filming of, of minis going into battle. Yeah, and and yeah, yeah. I think one of that was one of the first TikToks I saw of yours was the, was the arrow, the, the like POV mm. of an arrow mm-hmm, being shot mm-hmm, from one mm-hmm. mini to another. Um, just really can show you the detail and all the rad work that goes into yeah. telling this story on, on all fronts. Um, so specifically, I know, I, I know like kind of being part of the art department can be an enormous umbrella of uh, jobs yeah. and different things. Um, what would you say your role is specifically uh, with D20 
and is your work for the most part kind of in uh, pre-production or is it kind of in uh, obviously post-production usually doesn't last anywhere near as long as pre-production, but is your work mostly in pre-production or is it kind of an even amount once, once both get started? Yeah. Okay. So my role is uh, my title is art director. Um, And traditionally that's sort of like, I'd say like the motto of that job is make it happen. Um, I think the stuff that I post on TikTok is actually um, almost all from the, what we refer to it as the mini shoot, which is, you know, after the uh, the principal photography has happened and we found out what happened to the campaign because the players, you know, improvised it. Mm -hmm. We then, and by we, I mean, Michael Schaubach, the director, take that and and make a shot list of what feel like the important visual moments to then go back and recreate with the minis. So it's a whole separate shoot. Um, so anyway, my reason for saying that is, so the stuff that you see on video is when I'm working sort of in a an additional role as um, the title is onset model maker. And I'm the person like there with Schaubach and our uh, DP, Kevin, setting up the little miniature scenes. But that's kind of like a discrete um like I spend a week and I just am like in that mode, but mm-hmm. my normal time that's like almost full time at this point as art director, um, it's, it's a little bit more like managerial. Um, it's kind of like m- manager meets like designer, like having a design eye. My, my role is not the designer on the show. Rick is, but it's like, if I didn't have that artistic sensibility, I wouldn't be able to like make sure that the product is executed like per his creative vision. So it's sort of like I'm marrying the worlds of like the creative and the getting it done. Um, yeah, which I, which I really like. Um, but because the show is, you know, relatively compared to like a Hollywood blockbuster small and the work is physically small. Sometimes I do jump in there when it is logical or, you know, I don't have something else to do or I'm the most qualified person to do it and, you know, make the models like the pumpkin thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I just was like, I think uh, this is a suitable project for me. I don't have a lot of admin work right now. I'm just going to do this. So it's nice because I still get to, to like dabble in the hands-on work and do the mini shoot, which is great. But I'm also like fully in there, like booking vans and doing our whole budget, which is a lot of work. And yep. you know, I have our little project calendar, and it's like I really feel like I have my like finger on like the pulse of like the whole organism that is the art department, and I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of yeah. get to, it, it, it just goes to show, you know, how integral every single role is yeah. to, to the entire operation. Um, especially when, you know, they pluck you out of the equation and suddenly a, a, a billion different things aren't getting, you know, uh, the care and attention that they need, um, yeah. uh, to be able to make the show possible. Um, what would you say then, um, kind of maybe maybe one or two for for both dimension 20 and 20 sided tavern um are some of your like favorite pieces that you've kind of ca- kind of gotten to like mm-hmm. see brought to life either uh, on the show whether it be a graphic or a or a physical mini or something like that mm-hmm. um what are some of your favorite things that you've gotten to see kind of be realized or maybe be uh kind of taken by the audience and really ran away with as kind of a crowd favorite that you've gotten to be a part of yeah that's a great question um i feel like there's sometimes they're often unexpected on dimension 20 like what led me to start posting on tiktok was um 
everyone being obsessed with like a shot of like Pinocchio's mini running during a battle. And that was truly like two seconds. Like, like I basically, like if you imagine a mini here, and I like blue, I, we have this sticky stuff and I like put it on basically a straw. And then I just like rotated the straw, which then mm-hmm. rotated the, the mini to like clack. Yep. <laughs> I guess that was a crowd pleaser. And I was like, okay, moving on next shot. Who cares? Um, and then I was like, okay, now let's spend 45 minutes setting up something super complicated that everyone's definitely going to love that like no one, you know, either doesn't get used or whatever. So that's, that's always funny. Um, I think the, the carriage, the pumpkin carriage though, was a good merger of like actual effort. And I think people liking it. Um, I love uh, it. I, I, I remember <laughs> seeing that. I'm not, I'm not all the way through the, uh, that season, but I remember seeing that and I was like, man, that looks awesome. Um, oh, thank you. I thought that set, that entire set was so rad. Thank you. It's like weird. Cause I'm used to a little part of me still is used to theater where it's like all like 40 feet away. And, but like seeing it on camera, I'm like, Oh my God. Like I touched that. Like I remember yeah. using my sculpting tool to make that wrinkle and now it's there and people can see it at home <laughs> on their televisions. <laughs> this is, ah. um, I also really, uh, even though it wasn't physical, all the work we did for starstruck, um, within Tailspire, that was such like a crazy departure from my normal world. Like it was becoming like a, like a video game designer almost. Um, I don't, did you, are you familiar with starstruck? That uh, starstruck is one of my favorite, uh, hands down, <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> campaigns. Um, yeah, I, I was going to ask you what the kind of difference and obviously a big difference, but like, what was, what were some of the new skills and things that you got to work on that you maybe thought you never would have been able to, you know, lay hands upon before in terms of, you know, an avenue of, of artistic work? Yeah, I think, um, so yeah, that was my second season with the show. I had done Shriek Week, which was very small. And then it was like, okay, this is our big intrepid hero season. Um, and I was like, okay, I should learn what an armor class is now. Um, um, uh, so I think just being exposed to like a higher level of production value, you know, especially for me, like coming from theater, just like there being like resources to accomplish things. But I think Starstruck specifically, uh, I, I think being exposed to like digital artists, you know, like ZBrush sculptors, you know, we had, I think maybe eight of them work on the show. And my job was to go from like, okay, Rick has drawn like what he thinks the battle should look like. And then I have to like isolate from within there, like, okay, well we need to make these things somehow. So part of it was just us teaching ourselves like what digital modeling is and then finding um, digital sculptors to, to join our team, which I was part of like that recruiting and then just managing that whole team. And they were all international. Like there were all these different time zones and being like, okay, um, Dale is sculpting all the battleships for the final Armada battle. And, you know, I'm aware of his status on all of those. And Margaret Dost is doing our, um, oh my God, she did so many things. The corn man um, from the gladiator battle. Um, And I guess just seeing like the the power of, of digital art making, which I wasn't really familiar with, in, in theater and the way that um, even though I, of course I love making physical things, it was really cool how we could respond so rapidly to what was happening in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the character, we're getting a little bit into spoilers now. Uh, not Duke or Sino. Yeah. Loose Duke. You know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes. Loose Duke. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they, they made him up and basically we were the like Tailspire crew, like the art department, we were all like on our computers on stand, standby. Um, I was on the East coast. 
And Rick like messaged me. He was like, well, we should make a Duke Arsino. I was like, like, like now. And he was like, yeah, like now. And I was like, okay, okay. Uh, so like, I like went into Hero Forge and like, it was, it was cool getting to kind of like be part of that visual storytelling. And I was like, well, I feel like he'd be wearing like kind of like matted, like greasy, weird hair and like kind of like those hippie, like drug rug uh, sweaters. And we made that on Hero Forge, exported it. And it was in the Tailspire environment the next day. Um, so having that, yeah, having that rapid response, I'm like, man, that kind of is like what RPGs are are all about. And while the minis are cool, they require a, a level of planning that almost isn't quite natural to to uh, DMing. But of course, it's well worth it because they look so cool on the show. But yeah, I liked the modularity of of Tailspire. Um, I'm trying to think of the crowd pleaser within that. I think the Rec 97 set. Um, uh, people liked from the first yep. battle and that was a lot of effort. Um, 100%, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Um, jumping kind of jumping off of that, what then maybe in kind of an opposite sense of conversation, what's been, because there has to be so much work going into, uh, prepping things for production time. What's been one of the harder moments where you've kind of had to jump and be like, okay, well, the the story went this way that was obviously mm. improvised, and we got to jump to uh, prepare this or or something something Ooh. that basically you weren't ready for until it was happening, and had to kind of improvise to uh, get the job done. Ooh, I'm trying to think. Okay, so I've only worked on I'm trying to think of the many seasons that I've worked on because they were still kind of in their COVID, not doing physical things era during when I started. Coffin Run was my first minis one. And then I think Never After was the next minis one. Um, so I'm trying to think within those two. Hmm. I don't know if I can think. Oh, I know. <laughs> From uh, freaking Coffin Run. Uh, Zach started describing. Didn't he, do, do you know Coffin Run? Yes, I'm not as okay. I'm not as familiar with it, but I I have listened to a couple episodes from it. Okay, I'm gonna be butchering this, and also full disclosure, I don't watch the show when it comes out. I'm far mm -hmm. too anxious. It's not possible <laughs> for me. No, that's totally so fair. Like, <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> I still have that theater mindset of like, what if something falls? What if it all breaks? And it's like they recorded it, and it obviously didn't break. But I'm like, yes. oh, no, I can't watch this. Um, and then I just start analyzing everything, so I, I don't watch it. But um. So, okay, so I'm trying to remember. It's just Zach had like this little fucking like gremlin familiar named Zarb, I think. And I think so, yeah. right. So we had already made, actually, I think he might have made up the familiar on the spot. I'm not sure. But no, no, no. We had, we had started making the familiar and it was this like wretched little demon looking thing. And then somehow it came up in the story and he was like, yeah. And then it has six buttholes. And, and we were like, this is going to have six bucks. Um, and actually, the mini was being, was in Virginia at the time, being painted by uh, Shane Brockway. And so Zach said that on camera. I'm like sitting, I'm on set, like looking at the monitor. And I look down at my phone and I see Rick has started uh, a group chat with me and Shane. And it's like, Shane, before you ship out Zarb, can you sculpt six buttholes? <laughs> Shane was just like on it. Like, it was so like business. <laughs> <laughs> what is my job? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's insane. That's so funny. It's also it also brings up the question of if Rick has had to send 
a similar text like that before. And the guy's just like, I'm on it. <laughs> this yeah, is the second I, six buttholes this week. The <laughs> second six, get. yeah, it's 12 buttholes total. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's, it's par for the course. And I think Rick has a really good ear for opportunities like that. Like there was another moment um, where Erica started describing a, a goose. I don't really... I think there was like some background mini uh, in like a train station scene of like a woman holding a goose. And of course the PCs will like latch on to like a random little mm -hmm. character and they'll be like, that's Bertha, the goose lady. Mm -hmm. uh, her name wasn't really Bertha. I don't know what it was, but um, uh, somehow the, the goose ended up being personified somehow such that we were like, okay. And Rick like remembered that on the seven Erica, I wasn't on that show. That was right before I joined there there was a goose character in that that they made in tailspire uh johnny ree who actually you know invented tailspire sculpted a little goose for us digital sculpt that was just in the computer world and so rick messaged johnny and was like hey can you send us that digital file and we will theoretically print it out into a mini to have on the table in like two days and we did Mm -hmm. And Erica was like, this goose looks familiar. And like, it was the goose from another season. So like, I thought that was a great uh, example of um, one, the modularity thing and being able to work really rapidly and just like finding, it's like always so thrilling when they're, I remember Izzy, like, I think she like literally cried on camera when she looked at the Zarb with the buttholes. She was like, we talked about this yesterday and now it's here. <laughs> Who are you people? I think there's like a child like like delight to that that we like to bring people in the art department, and sometimes I'll, I give credit to it. Like I'm quick to like shut it down. I'm like we can't do that. That's not possible. <laughs> we don't have time. Like I'm thinking, <laughs> and he's like we can do it, uh, and and often we can. So credit to him for having you know faith and commitment to the spontaneity of of the art department role in the show. Well, it's really interesting to think about that fact in in the sense of having. A production team behind the story it's so interesting because i i'm often <clears throat> I, as the kind of main dm for our our show um and kind of our friend group also in general i'm i'm very much the forever dm guy but i love it um it's a lot of times i'm i'm thinking about you know that kind of thing of being ready to yes and my players are being ready mm -hmm. to be on the fly and, and reward my players exploration of the world and thinking about the fact that you have an entire team alongside, you know, Brennan yeah. leading the story and everything who are also in that mindset of, okay, mm -hmm, we're, mm -hmm. we're ready to, you know, to catch whatever ideas they're throwing at us and see as best we can, if we can, if we can spin them back out and, and reward that, you know, creativity or humor exactly. or, or energy that's just brought to it. And it's just this amalgamation of, of effort and, and, mm -hmm. and, and talent that just kind of like, it's, it's, it's like improv. It, it, it's, it's like, yeah, it's art improv. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super cool just to see how that all improv can be such an integral part of you know, pushing the story along in, in any Avenue. That's really, really cool. Um, that yeah. the energy of the crew is like that. Yeah. I've always thought improv is really cool and I enjoy watching it, but like, I'm not a performer and it's been really, uh, great to, to sort of get to feel like I'm, ex you know, experiencing the act of creating improvisationally, which 
really as like a production artist, designer, fabricator never happens. It's like, it's sort of the antithesis of, of what is normally done. Usually it's like, you know, there's a script and you get like drawings, you know, the designer provides drawings of what's to be built. And it's like, the whole thing is about planning. So getting to be, you know, improvisational like that while, while still being an artist, it's like, I don't know where else I would get that. And I think that's why I'm so like obsessed with this world now. And it's not even just getting to improvisationally respond to what's happening. It's like getting to contribute back. Like when Shane like did the buttholes, like he did them in such a way where like, um, like I never would have thought to arrange them that way. Like he put his, <laughs> <laughs> like I was thinking like, I don't know. I was like, all right, it'll be like, or maybe it's nine buttholes. It'll be like, it'll be like a grid of buttholes like on the back, which, mm-hmm. but he did it in like a, a ring and there was like one between the legs, I think. And like, it's like it's like you get to communicate back into the back into the table and and maybe like the arrangement of that buttholes becomes part of the story like oh he has special pants that have cutouts for each butthole like that kind of thing and that interplay i i just love because at the end of the day i feel like i you know i i am trained in and ultimately am a storyteller and just doing it visually and you know i don't uh, you know uh sometimes like especially designing for theater it, it almost feels like you're just decorating what is already there you're just providing visual aids or like telling people like i've given you a set that shows you that you're in a street happy but i feel like in the rpgs it's like i have like you know the director hat and the and the writer hat on and uh um my medium just happens to be visual but it's 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 you know i think rick perry's contributions are uh you know he's not just making what brennan says you know when they have their meetings he's like actively shaping the world that is being uh, designed in, in a workshop sort of way. And he's just the, the visual sort of half of the DM brain. So see, yeah, seeing that team uh, aspect of it is, is really cool. And I think, I don't know who else is doing it besides dimension 20. Do you know? I don't think so. I think it's, I mean, I'm not sure. And I, I honestly, I, I'm not sure in terms of, you know, other other productions like that. Um, I think, uh, I, I know, uh, uh, dice cream sandwich has a really cool, um, I think his is a stream, um, has a really cool set, um, for the way that oh, they play. Okay. But in terms of like, art, um, <clears throat> in terms of like art, um, no, I mean, critical role kind of, but even, even critical role, they, their campaigns are so long and, and so their episodes are so long. I truly feel like they don't have the time to respond as quickly as, as you guys can. Um, because at the same time, one of my, one of the questions I was going to ask you was like, how long for a campaign or a season is even the production process from beginning to end? Cause as much as, you know, as much as you have, um, you got to respond to things quickly because these are the weeks that you're producing right. the season. Um, you st- it's still all, you know, going to be edited down and come out and there can be some, you know, post work like you, like you were talking about with the minis and everything that can be added to it. Critical role. I feel like just because they're live every week, kind of right. can't do that. Um, yeah. so no, a dimension, dimension 20, I got started listening, uh, to, I got into D and D from nad pod. Um, which is Murph and Emily's uh, mm-hmm. podcast. Um, I uh, then I listened to them for a while. Um, that's how I got started playing D and D. And then from them and Brennan guesting on on Nad Pod, 
um, I found Dimension 20. And then um, if this isn't obvious to literally everyone listening who listened to us right now, uh, Brennan's DM style and the Dimension 20 aesthetic overall, I, I fell in love with. I was like, this is exactly why I play D&D. And yeah. going back to something that you, you've touched on a couple times is it is it is because above everything the story is put on this pedestal and you can tell the entire operation works so hard to feed into that and to help cultivate this multifaceted story um and that's that's always just been the way that I've wanted to dm that's always been the way that I've wanted to be a storyteller is just above all else by the end of it when you say you know the end you want to feel like you have fully explored as much as you can and you guys and your entire team from top to bottom really dimension 20 is the best that i've seen personally for putting that story first and really manifesting it in a way that obviously so many people love and adore oh well thank you for saying that and i certainly i hear that in your work the um when you know you had uh, approached me, I obviously wanted to listen to some of your podcasts, and I listened to um, I, I don't remember the title of the campaign, but it was in a Walmart uh, sort of super center, oh, like a holiday. Oh, Doorbusters, yes, our holiday <laughs> yeah. campaign, yes. Oh my god, I can't believe that's the one you listened to. <laughs> I know. Well, I looked through and I sensed. I was like, I don't sense this is their flagship production, but I'm interested in Walmart. I don't know. I just like I love like like my favorite Dimension Twenty campaign uh, is is Unsleeping City, which I'm not mm. even done with yet. But because um, I love the sort of contemporary worlds, and I think um, uh, because Dimension Twenty, I don't think any season uh, uses the default like fantasy, like when you think of like eighties D and D, like Lord of the Rings world. Um, because it doesn't fall upon that, it has to prioritize story more, and it has to make really intentional choices because it's like. You know, if you're setting it in like a magical New York City, you can't like start with the sort of lazy default choice of like, all right, well, we're in a tavern. And then mm-hmm. like, what happens there? You like really have to think and engage and become more intentional. Um, so that's why I gravitated to the the Walmart one. Cause I was like, oh, how are they going to do this? Um, and I, I thought you pulled it off really well. And, you know, I was, I was very hooked where I was like, to be honest, like when I, if I listen to something where it's like, we begin in a world of magic and dragons, I'm like, I don't know. It's almost um, too lofty. It's it's almost um Yeah. That's kind of why we also don't do also thank you very much by the way. I I pre, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Um I, I, that's why we kind of also were like at least for me I'm like I'm not going to do fantasy. We're not going to do fantasy on this show until like we have to because we've done everything uh, else. Our, our first campaign um our first campaign and our second campaign are the second campaign is a sequel to the first and it is also um magic set in the real world um our first campaign is set in spokane washington where i'm from and kind of the the focus of the story in that regard is is coming of age um Mm. and then our second campaign that we're in the middle of right now the chapter virus is a sequel to that first one's kind of expanding off of okay the coming of age has happened now you are an adult person in a complicated world of of no of all gray and no black and white and no Mm. right answer who do you become in that and what is your sense of self and self-worth within that and it's it's i love dimension 20 because you can also tell especially by the end of it the big overarching yeah emotional tug is is 
really brought to life. And that's usually where, when I'm, when I'm writing, where I start is like, okay, what, what kind of story do I want to tell? Um, Mm -hmm. and then what does it look like? Like, what's the hook? Is this like a superhero world? Is this like, uh, uh, is this a world of <laughs> zombified capitalism in the middle <laughs> of a Walmart parking lot? Uh, uh, and yeah, it, it, it does really make you feel more intentional about every little move. Um, rather than not that there's anything wrong with fantasy settings or anything like that, because you can obviously accomplish the same thing, but definitely with, um, shorter seasons like dimension 20 has, uh, and like we have, you definitely got to know kind of where the light at the end of the tunnel is the second that you start. And it really helps focus that Mm -hmm. narrative aspect of it. Um, uh, I just have, I just have one more question for you. Uh, uh, what are, um, So you've kind of gotten yourself settled into this realm of TTRPG uh, 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 creative aspects and things. So what are some of, you know, your goals and aspirations with art or maybe just this creative field in general? Like, do you feel like now uh, continuing to work with different TTRPG focused shows is kind of in the wheelhouse or do you have like a dream role type thing that's kind of separate from anything you've gotten to do so far that you're kind of working towards? Yeah, it's a, a, a great question. Um, I mean, I feel really happy with what I'm doing now. I think, I think watching too many, too many, too many 20, too many 20. <laughs> that's very um, Italian. Being, <laughs> uh, being produced for so long. It's like, you can't help but think, um, and being really fortunate to see it like really inside you can't help but think like, well, how would I do things if I had my own show? And I've just been like listening to those thoughts a little more. And the dynamic that you um, were talking about earlier, where like part of, I think what makes dimension 20 special is that they have like a whole art team, like at the ready to improvisationally and actively service what's going on at the table. That concept I've been really, really interested in. And I think, you know, dimension 20 kind of pioneered it and obviously does a great job with it. But I've been thinking about, like, what if that were more, like, the true, like, center of a show, like, the whole pitch? And what if maybe, like, nothing was prepared and, like, it was all improvisational response? I don't know. But I've just been thinking a lot about, like, how to more more further investigate the potential for involving visual artists heavily in uh, the production of an actual play show. And um, actually, two friends of mine, uh, Jesse Heron and Raven Bartlett, they've been getting shouted out a lot on uh, Dimension 20. Uh, I brought them in as model builders and now uh, art directors. Um, uh, So they work on the show with me. Um, We've been sort of starting to brainstorm around that, you know, maybe making making our own actual play. Um, So I feel like I have this sort of setup now where like, I've really learned about like the logistics um, of, of how to make an actual play happen. And I'm now in this more creative role on 20 sided tavern, which isn't really quite an actual play. It's kind of its own thing. It's live. And I love the creativity of the role that I'm in there. And I, and now I'm, but I'm still like in a role. I'm like the set or, you know, set and costume designer. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking more like about being like the Brennan of the show, like, you know, uh, having something purely as like my brainchild um, with, you know, along with my collaborators. And that's sort of like, you know, it was in the realm of fantasy, but I'm like, maybe it can come more into reality. Um, so 
it's still, you know, a little bit in the ideation phase, but that's kind of what's on the horizons for me. And also maybe getting involved with other actual play shows that, you know, want to use miniatures on, for great visual uh, world building into their, their practice and becoming, you know, a production designer on, on other actual play shows and just sort of continuing to explore what this medium of RPGs can, can do and how visual storytelling can uh, not just enhance it, but form it. Yeah, that's if if you come up, if you ever start putting on your show, please tell me. That sounds so awesome. Um, just that art focused um, and and kind of art centered uh, type of show is sounds really. I've never heard of anything like that before. That sounds really really awesome. Um, and I hope that obviously things continue to you know open up doors for you and everything. And I'm and I'm really glad that you found you know this little niche in here uh with ttrpg and everything um it's it's one thing that i i always talk about in these interviews with people is is having come from music and and moved to this is mm. how weirdly like it sounds so like movie-esque but um as i'm sure you know how like the entertainment industry in general can just be real cutthroat and it can be real unwelcoming unfortunately even at yeah. you know the the introductory levels of trying to get into the entertainment industry. There's so much ego and there's so much just unwelcoming energy that people can put out there. And the second that I stepped into the TTRPG world, everyone was so nice. Oh my God. So nice. Yes. They're so, so nice. nice. I have yet to meet a mean person. I'm almost like looking, I'm like, where are these? Like so nice. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really, um, it really is a wonderful community that genuinely cares. And I feel honored to be contributing to it, um, every day. And I'm, and I'm very thankful that it allows me to talk with extremely talented people like yourself. Um, thank you so much for, uh, being on our show. Um, is there anything that you want to shout out or talk about on your way out of here? Anything you want to plug? I think we spend most of the time talking about the two things that I do. I, uh, I don't got nothing else to plug. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, trust me, people are not going to have any issue continuing to enjoy your work on, on Dimension <laughs> 20. I really want to see. So where is um, the 20 sided tavern is obviously a live show. Do they tour? They just closed a production in Chicago and I can't say much about what's coming up next, but it's really cool. And um, eventually will involve some touring capacity, but basically they've just been doing, live productions that started with the production level of like a workshop in a basement up into like, you know, Edinburgh fringe festivals. We just did this larger proscenium production in Chicago. And basically they just keep doing bigger and bigger iterations um, with the goal, my understanding being to have them, you know, happening all over the world. Um, so the next one should be appearing shortly. That's awesome. I'm very excited. I hope I get to see Me it too. one day. I guess um, that's a plug. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Look out yes. There. I wanted to make sure uh, we talked a lot about dimension 20. I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tavern got its love. Um, uh, yeah. Thanks so much for being on. Uh, and everybody, thanks so much for listening to friends and fables. Goodbye. Bye.